No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, friends. Welcome back to This Is Not A Backup Plan. I am so glad you're here. I have been having a good September so far. I like am such a fall girly, but I've been very much like trying to respect the way the weather feels and not like rush fall too much just because I will be simply just disappointed if I'm in a complete fall zone and the weather still feels like summer. So I've been trying to like embrace September as a transitionary period and like kind of like let fall come rather than being frustrated that it's not here. Something that I have been thinking about a lot and that we've talked a lot about on this podcast is making friends as an adult. I have a piece of advice that I've found to be helpful for me in the um, like recent times of my life that I haven't heard other places. And I just wanted to share it with you before this week's episode. And my piece of advice is reconnecting with old friends. I recognize this is not good advice for if you move somewhere where you don't know anyone. Totally recognize that it's not universal advice. But if you're someone that has lived in a similar area for a while, maybe you still live somewhere where you went to college, maybe you have like moved back home, maybe you never went very far away. But if you live in an area where there are people that you used to be close with or that you've shared meaningful connections with, I really recommend trying reconnecting with people as a way to make friends. I have been really lucky as I've moved back to Salt Lake to start to like reconnect with some relationships that like had been gone for a very long long time. Some of them, like one of them, there was like a falling out that made me a little bit sad, but that's a friend that I've been able to reconnect with. And it's really fun to connect with someone that like I did stupid stuff with in middle school and who knows like these deep, dark, sad parts of my life, but also just these like very special childhood happy things of my life. And It is, in some ways, like just the stakes feel very different because this is someone who who knew me when I was a kid. And I just kind of feel like there's not really anything they could find out about me that would like make them not want to be my friend. And so reconnecting with this person has been special. I have other friends that like I grew up with and went to church with and like I've been spending more time with them. And I just have realized just how special this is to connect with people that knew you from such an early point in your life. And I recognize it might not be good advice for everyone. I understand the ways in which it wouldn't work, but it's fun. And I think that it's maybe an overlooked piece of advice of when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling like you don't have friends, if there are people that you used to be close with as a child, or maybe that you lived with in college, like that there can still be a spark in these relationships. And that I think in a lot 
lot of cases people really enjoyed being reached out to as well. So that is my adult friend advice is don't sleep on the connections you already have. If someone was special to you at one point in your life, it's very worthwhile to reach out to them, to get dinner, to have a little treat, to go on a walk. And it may not it may not work, but it may it may remind you of things that you didn't realize you were missing. And then my other piece of advice, whether you're reconnecting with old friends or whether you're making new friends is if you had a good time with a person and like if it's mutual and you guys are having fun, put something on the calendar. Like put it for two weeks out, put it for a month out, put it for six weeks out, whatever it needs to be. Because if it's on the calendar, you can reschedule it. And if you put things on the calendar, you will see people. You do not put things on the calendar, you will not see people. And so I don't know. Those are my friend advice things that have been helping me lately and I hope they might help you. So this week's guest is my dad's cousin, Karma Thompson. She has become a very, very special person in my life. And I feel just really lucky to have her. She and I, over the past few years, have just talked a lot about work and careers. And I've also gotten to travel with her. We've been to fun places. Like we went to a concert in Arizona. I visited her in Ohio when she was working there for a bit. And we had the best time in Ohio. And then most recently, I was really lucky and got to come with her on a business trip to Paris. And as I've gotten to spend so much time with Karma, I just have loved her story and I've loved the unique twist her career has taken, the unexpected twist that her career has taken. It's definitely not the career she would have imagined as a child. And just learning about how she has like embraced the change and like had the confidence to do so many challenging things and really cool things has been really like encouraging to me and it's helped me like imagine what my career might be like. So I I chatted with her about that, what her advice is, and I'm just so excited for you to hear the interview. I think it's really thoughtful and will be really helpful. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Will you start off by just giving us a brief introduction to yourself? Yes, my name is Karma Thompson. I grew up in Utah, and currently I'm working for Total Energies as the Vice President of HSC, which is Health, Safety, and Environment, and also lead the industrial group, which includes two polymer plants. And I've been in the energy business for over 33 years. I am so excited to chat with you today. You are my dad's cousin and we have a very special relationship. Like I think of you more as like my aunt. I feel like it's like a better way to describe our relationship. And I've just been really lucky to get to learn about your career and to learn about the path that brought you here. And so I'm excited because I think your story is a really wonderful example of taking the opportunities as they come and realizing that like your career might not look like you expect, but like that's not bad that there are so many unique opportunities that you can't imagine. And so I'm really excited for people to get to hear a little bit about your path. I have to say that going to even through high school and college, I never would have envisioned that I would be doing what I'm doing today. I was not exposed to the type of careers that were widely available and the nuances within a career. So example is when you become an engineer, there's multiple disciplines within engineering, but there's also multiple fields you can go into, whether it be manufacturing of toys or manufacturing of gasoline and energy, So it's so varied, I would have never knew what I know today. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because I wanted to expose people to 
what the possibilities might be. I love that. And that's part of the reason I'm so excited to have you here. You mentioned like when you were growing up and you mentioned like not realizing certain careers that were available when you were younger, I don't know, middle school, high school, whatever point you want to enter in. What were maybe some of the things you were imagining for your future or some of the things you were interested in? I grew up in the Northeast of Utah. So in the Uinta Basin, if people know where that is. And I grew up on a farm. And um, so, you know, did the traditional farming of raising chickens, milking cows, raising crops, et cetera, for other animals. And my exposure to what people could do, especially women, were really based on who I saw in the community. But one of the things that if you looked at my picture, you'd notice that I wear pretty thick glasses. And I've been wearing glasses since the age of four and had several problems with my eyesight growing up and even to this day. So one thing I was exposed to is ophthalmology and optometry. And that interests me because I was curious of what was going on with my own vision. And I was exposed to people in that career field that were different than doctors. So that was originally what I wanted to do. So when I went to college, I went to pre-med. And in that, you take a lot of biology, chemistry, et cetera. But because I didn't come from a real, I didn't have some of the financial means that some kids do. And I was worried about taking on debt. And so when I was in my junior year, I started to question, okay, what if I don't get into med school? How am I going to pay for it? And how do I go through another eight years to 12 years of all of the things you need to do to be an ophthalmologist. And um, so I went to my counselor and I said, okay, I have all these classes. I have calculus, et cetera. And it was in the 80s, late 80s, and a new field was opening up called industrial hygiene, which was where you went into workplaces and monitored to make sure the workers were not exposed to chemicals that they may be handling or even today, we think of ergonomics, making sure your workstation is appropriate so you don't get carpal tunnel and some of the things like that. So it was a bridge between the medical field and the workplace. It was one of the top careers at that period in Forbes magazine, very well paid. And so I said, what would I need to do? They said, well, you can still be pre-med, but you'll need to take these specialty courses but nothing different. And so I said, sign me up. And then life happened. And when I graduated, I decided to go to work rather than continue my medical field again, thinking, okay, application would be good. In addition, it would allow me to save. I was recruited by Texaco out of Utah State University and asked if I would like to go to Texas or California. And I selected Southern California. So at that point, I moved from Utah State and obviously a very small town in Utah to Los Angeles. And that was no big deal. Of course, I'm being a bit facetious there. But yes, and that's how I got into the energy field. Tell me a little bit about that first job. Like we've talked about, that was not a job you were imagining you were going to have. I'd love to know maybe what you found challenging, but also what parts were like interesting or exciting to you or maybe fulfilled some of those interests or desires you had. 
it was very overwhelming, just the size of the processes and the units, et cetera. But I selected Texaco because even when I interviewed, they took me out in the plant and the people were so kind and interesting. And I thought, okay, it's where I want to be. And so I really went there because of the people in the interview process. And when I first got there, I realized there's a whole different language, and it usually means acronyms in this field. And I didn't know what a DCU was, what a RPA was. I had no clue what they were talking about, even though they were speaking English. (laughs) That was the first aha moment. But when I asked questions, they were very generous, and I tried to listen more than I spoke and do my job. And what I really enjoyed is I found this relationship with the hourly or the union employees and management, and I was able to transcend both. And that ended up being a recognized talent. So management recognized I was able to get things done. And then I got promoted based on that and given bigger and bigger assignments. And the union and the hourly is also appreciated what I did because it was improving their workplace. But at some point in time, my plant manager came to me and said, Karma, you're bright, la la la. And he said, I want to put you back to get your to get your master's degree, but I will pay for it on one condition. You become an engineer. At that point, I went back to school at USC, which is University of Southern California, got the equivalent of the engineering, and then went on to get my master's in engineering and completed it in three years. And that provided me the technical knowledge of the processes and also had the people part because of my health and medical which allowed me to then take on more and more challenging assignments and go into leadership. Tell me a little bit about getting your master's degree. I think we've talked about a little bit about this when I was getting my master's degree and that even if it's something you want, it can be a little bit intimidating or a little bit overwhelming or it takes a lot of time. What helped you through that process? I had a remarkable husband because I did when I started my daughter was three When I graduated, she was six, but I also had very supportive supervisors and managers. And that allowed me to go take time off during the workday to go to classes. Some of the classes were in evening and people recognized when I wouldn't be able to maybe work late, et cetera. But my managers always looked for projects that I could do, including my thesis, on something that applied to the workplace and needed to get done anyway. And so that allowed me to bridge some of the work other than the homework, but really the thesis and the project work. So it actually, I could do it during work. That was very essential because again, I was working full-time, being a mother and going to school full-time And to this day, I still wonder how I was so efficient. I think I'm busy now. I am not busy compared to them. What were some of the things you learned about yourself as you were getting your master's degree? This may seem a little bit silly, but I would find many things around the house to do, including cleaning the bathrooms rather than study, because it would be driving me nuts and I'd finally get up and clean the bathroom. 
So I first realized that I like to have things in their place and everything in their place. So we splurged a bit and got a maid, which allowed me to feel better about being home and studying when I didn't feel like maybe I was taking care of my family like I should. So there were things like that that helped. And by the end, I and I passed this on to others, is I tried to be in the moment I was living. So if I was at work, I tried to do really well at work and not worry about what I was not doing, which was being a mother and a, a wife, or studying, or being a student. So when I was at school, I tried to be focused on being school. Now, it's easier said than done, but by the end, I was much more disciplined being present when I was present and where I was versus being present in body, but not in mind. I have heard other people talk about that as they are navigating like careers and parenting or like multiple goals, that it's really important to decide to be present in the thing you're in and not always feeling bad about the thing you're not doing, not always letting that consume your thoughts. And I think it is much easier said than done, but a valuable skill. I agree. And I also now that my daughter is, she's in her thirties. When she was frustrated when I wasn't home, I tried to focus on what I was bringing to her, showing her a strong woman leader, someone that was dedicated to many things and understanding what possibilities are. And even to this day, I say something my dad taught me at a very young age is karma. You you need to have choices because people will treat you better. So if I was in a not a good position, whether it be a relationship or a job, knowing that I have options and I don't need to stay in there is a very powerful. And I think it's especially powerful for women. I agree. You and I have talked about that before. And I appreciate like hearing that. I think it's a very good reminder that just the power of having choices and options is so strong. Something I would love to hear about is, you know, we talked about how you weren't imagining a variety of careers when you were younger because you weren't seeing a variety of careers. And then you got this degree in this field that was new and you took this job that you would have never imagined having and the opportunities that came. How did your aspirations for your career or your goals for your work change as you continue to see different opportunities and take different opportunities? I'm curious about like what mattered to you, what you were prioritizing, what you were hoping and working towards. Yes, I wasn't ever focused on a position. So it was never like, oh, I want to be a refinery manager or I want to lead chemical plants in the U.S., which is my current work and having all of those responsibilities. But what I did know is that I really enjoy working with people and I want to find solutions And whether that be people in the industry or people outside of the industry. And so anywhere that I felt that I was going to add that value of not just being an engineer that was focused on the numbers and the process and all of that, but taking that knowledge and really putting it back to the human aspect, because nothing runs without people. And really, they are the heart of a business. I started to accept jobs that even I didn't think I was qualified for, but somebody else did. 
And that's where I also would want to say that, especially if you're a woman, but you need to find a sponsor. We often talk about mentors and mentors are those that can guide you along the way to help you navigate social situations, work situations, and discuss possibilities. But a sponsor is so much more. They're a person who says she can do that and I've got her back. And they push you to do things that you didn't even know you could. And so I've had many sponsors throughout my career that always saw something in me that even I didn't see and pushed me outside of my comfort zone to take a whole new role. And they gave me also the confidence, it's competency, confidence, go together, but they gave me the confidence to work in a different manner than maybe the people who had those positions in previous roles. And to give you an example, I have three statements that kind of are my core. One is do it safely or not at all. There's always time to do it right. And we operate at the pleasure of the community. That last one is unique for our industry. But it means that we live and play in the communities we operate with. And we change our operational modes and even do significant projects to make us a better neighbor and participant within that community. And when you take that philosophy on, it changes the whole mindset of the leader leadership, including the people you lead. And again, it's really looking for people who sponsored me and then giving, giving me that confidence to approach things in a way that really inspired me. And that was bringing the technical to the human aspect and um, making it a win situation for everyone involved. And that means all the stakeholders, internal and external. Something that's come up in a lot of the things you've shared and something that I've just gathered from the time I've gotten to spend talking with you is just how people-centered you are and like how good your people skills are. And that's something that I really admire and I think is a really important thing to remember. You're good at this job because like, you're smart and you're like willing to like go and get the engineering degree and like you have the skills to do that but you're also good at this job because you're good with people and it seems that if you had been taking classes that had led to a different major led to a different job that no matter where you were the way you treat people and interact with people would have been key to your success even if you had ended up in a different field thank you i've been told that it makes me distinctive especially in a very male engineer dominated field Is there any advice you would give to someone who wants to make sure they're focused on people no matter what their field is? Maybe it's something they see in themselves, maybe it's something they want to develop. Are there any guiding principles you use or things you've observed when you look back at your career that made a difference in how you were interacting with people? Probably the most significant is it's amazing what people can accomplish when they don't care who has the credit or who gets the credit. And if you go through your career saying, wait, I did that when you're trying to champion yourself, then you won't maybe have those same results. I really don't want the credit. If something goes right, everybody around me did the best. They, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's a mindset of making sure that I've also heard 
I am their leader, therefore I follow. If you're inspirational, it's amazing what you can get through people because it's everybody wants to be rewarded with that feeling of success. So something I would love to like hear about, and like I do have a little bit of a cheat, right? Because I talk to you in other areas, but I know that like you recently became a grandma and I know that that's been like this wonderful experience. And so as you're at this point in your career where you've had a lot of different opportunities, where you've taken a lot of different things, I'm curious like what you're looking forward to next and like what you're feeling ambitious or excited about next in your life. It really is. I did not know one could feel this crazy about a baby, but I, I am over the moon with being a grandma and every moment I want to be with her and add value and richness to her life. That does not mean showering her with gifts or things. It's a different desire. So it does look make me think about, okay, at this point in my career, what's the best thing to give back to my family? Because to be honest, Maddie, there were many times I wasn't there for them. If something went wrong and if we had a power outage, I went to the plant. Now I can be there. And so my desire is to be a part of this grandchild's life in a positive way where we can do things and have a relationship. And then still on my bucket list is to complete the national parks. And I'm I think I'm at 56 out of 63, so that's also on my bucket list. And Zions and Bryce are my favorite. Oh, I love that. I just love getting to talk to people at different points in their life and career and seeing like how things come and go and how there are different seasons for things and how the things we do in our work, they impact what we can do for our family, but also our relationship with our family, like you were sharing, was a really important support as you were navigating challenges in your career and in your education. And so I don't know, I think it's exciting that like something that can have been good can change when something else comes up in our life and a different thing can be good and can be where our focus is. I do think that seasons of life are really characterized our lives. And just because one season may have been cold, windy, and uh, maybe not so comfortable, it still can give us purpose. And knowing that there's spring after winter is a nice thing to think about as well. In conclusion, I was thinking, what is maybe some advice or some observations you have that you'd share with people, especially women who are early on in their career and trying to figure out who they want to be and what their career is going to be like? They're navigating that path. I would give them two words of advice. And when there's an option or something that is presented to them, and ask yourself, why not? Not why. Or, you know, especially women have an imposter syndrome. And I have to admit that I have sometimes have tendency as that. But when I answer the question of why not, then you really start seeing the possibilities. I love that. That's really powerful. It's so easy to tell ourselves to stop. And pausing and thinking about what would happen if we did is yeah. really powerful. Yeah. And so sometimes when you think about possibilities of, for example, I work for Total Energies and it's a multi-energy um, company, not just oil and gas. And it's okay, we're now doing wind and solar, but maybe we could do nuclear, small nuclear, or maybe we could do something else. It's one of the questions of why not. 
versus why. Is there anything as you were preparing for this or in our conversation that's come to mind that you haven't had a chance to share yet? Not necessarily, but I would close with women. Remember, options are very powerful. So take them early in your career so that you can have a fulfilling career. And people do treat you better if you do have an education. I love that. I think about the things you share that you're excited about right now, like being like there with your granddaughter and being like a presence in her life that adds richness and your like love of the national parks. And as you said, options, like they help you as a parent, they help you have options later on, like when you want to be there with your grandkids, like like creating as many options as you can for yourself creates those moments where you can add the richness to your life. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. Thank you so much for asking me. I have to admit it's my first podcast and it was easier than I thought. You've done an excellent job making me feel comfortable and hopefully our conversation provides some words of encouragement to others. I think it will. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Karma, for your time. I'm so glad all of you are here. You can find this podcast on Instagram at notabackupplan. You can email me, madelineK at gmail.com. If you have feedback or if you have a guest idea, please rate and review this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. It just helps if there's some feedback for the show. I'll be back in two weeks. And in the meantime, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.